So for those of you who do not know me yet, that I haven't greeted, my name is Louis Skippers, and um, my wife and I moved to Cape Town a couple of years ago to start a church, and we worked in the city center for about two years, and today is our launch in the northern suburbs, and we are so glad about it. And today's, today we're starting a series called Go Big, and it is so beautiful to me because what we're going to be talking about is literally what we had to live through for the last couple of months. And... Um, on the video, the guys you saw there, that's Fitbox Gym in Tiger Valley. And that is the gym where I go to. I do, um, it's CrossFit training, and I started doing that right after my daughter was born last year, October. So I don't know who of you had that life-changing experience as once a child has been born. So it's kind of like after school, your, your fitness level just kind of slowly decreases. Nick, can you switch on the backlights for us, please, the downlights? It slowly decreases... And then um, as you're, when you're a student and you try to find a wife, you kind of try to go to the gym again, right, to, to bring that up a bit. But um, then finally when Abigail was born, so for the last couple of years, my wife and I, we didn't really do any form of exercise. And then Abigail was born, and I'm like, man, my daughter is going to run around, and I won't be able to keep up. So some friends invited me to, um, to train with them at CrossFit. And I remember the first time I went, we started it was so good. It was very intense exercise, but it was so good. It was supposed to be an hour. We did it in 15 minutes, and I'm like, this is good. I'm going to come back every day, but like, what are we going to do for the rest of the hour? And, and I asked them, like, what do we do for the rest of the hour? And they're like, no, no, this was the warm-up. And, and I'm like, that was the warm-up. It was a good, it, it was really good training. I can't go more than this. But what has been so interesting about CrossFit to me is that it has pushed me to go way beyond what I ever thought was possible for fitness, for weightlifting, for gymnastics, for anything that they do. And it is kind of like one of those places where you either go big or you go home. So you, you give your all or you don't do it. It's, it's just that kind of a sport. And today we're starting this series, Go Big, because throughout our seasons in life, whatever we're busy with, Every single day, we are challenged by this thing where we have to push past what we thought was possible. You have to push past your studies if you're studying and you thought it's impossible to get your degree, but you push past that and finally you get it. You start a job and you think it's impossible for you to get that next promotion and you work hard and you push through it, you go big, and finally you get that promotion. What is sad to me is that often with faith, we don't push the same way. We will push when it comes to fitness. We will push when it comes to our jobs. We will push when our family, when anyone endangers them or pushes against them. But when it comes to our faith, I, all, I, I sometimes feel like we just accept the status quo. We accept where we are and we don't push further. And today we're starting um, this series, Go Big, with our first topic. And our first topic today is Go Big With Your Expectations. Gavin, I'm getting a nasty feed here. Go big with your expectations. And what I want to ask you, if I could give you a simple question today, and I'm like, are you, and you don't have to answer this out loud, but process this for a moment. If I ask you about work, did you go beyond what, where you thought you would be? The answer might be, I'm working towards it, or yes, I did it. When I ask you about your faith, did you go beyond where you ever thought your faith would be? I almost want to assure you that 90% of us would say, no, I'm not there. 
Because often faith is kind of like it stays a little behind. And I think there's a problem in the Western world, and I include South Africa in that because we watch that, that kind of TV and we, we, we think the way the Western world does. We, we try to mold everything according to what happens in America and Europe and stuff like that, right? I think there's a problem in the Western world, and that is that we have given up on taking our faith to a next level. We accepted the level where we are at, and I think often that leaves the Christian faith without power. And today we're going to say, let's push that. Let's go big with our expectations that we have for our faith. And if you're here this morning and you're like, Louis, I don't even believe. I just came because I thought maybe I'll give this a try. You're at the right spot. Because today for you to push might be to say, like, I'm going to give this thing a try. If you're here and you're like, I've been following Jesus my whole life, same for me. But I am not where I want to be. If you're like, dude, I'm quite happy with where I am with my faith. I'm, I'm part of a church. I'm, I'm, I'm there every Sunday. I'm part of a community group. I help the poor, whatever. That, that's cool. But I can assure you, you're not where you need to be. Because what I read in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, what I see there, the way the church functioned, the way it operated, is so far removed from what I see in church today. And when I say that, I say that as a pastor's kid. I say that as someone who literally played in the church pews when I was little, in the holes that they dug for the foundations of a church we built. So when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking with an immense love for the church and from a place where I have been part of the church my whole life. But this morning, we're going to read from 2 Kings 2. So if you have a Bible here, you can open to 2 Kings 2. It's going to be on the screen as well. And I'm going to move a little to the side so that everyone can read there. But 2 Kings 2, this is, the, this is what we're going to be reading about. The next five weeks, we're going to talk about stories from the life of a prophet named Elisha. And here's the confusing part. There was a prophet named Elijah. And then God said, you're going to hand over to another prophet, and guess what his name will be? Elisha. In Afrikaans, Eliyah and Elisa. I'm like, seriously, God, couldn't you have picked a name that's a little different? This is very confusing. Elijah and Elisha. Okay, so Elisha followed up from Elijah. He saw the amazing things Elijah did. He was a boundary pusher. He, he once went against the king and all the false prophets, and there was 400 of them, and they challenged him, and they challenged his God, and he wasn't afraid. He just pushed back, and it's this amazing miracle that you can go and read about in 1 Kings. But in 2 Kings, what we're going to start reading about today is how Elisha takes over from Elijah. And I think this is important because as we're sitting here today, there are churches around us closing down. As we're sitting here today, there's a generation that has moved farther and further away from Jesus. So everyone that's sitting here, no matter your age, you took over from a generation before you. And that is why we are reading about the life of Elisha. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open to 2 Kings 8. And we'll be reading from the New International Version. So Elijah was on this journey. He told Elisha that came to the city. He's like, Elisha, stay here. I'm going to go on. And Elisha is like, no, I'm going to follow you. Some prophets showed up. They're like, Elisha, God is going to come and get your, your, your master, your teacher. So rather stay here. And he's like, nope, I'm going to go with him. Three times that happened. And why? Elijah was about to go to heaven without dying. There's only three people in the Bible that went to heaven without dying. Enoch, that we don't read a lot about, but we read that he walked closely with God, so he didn't die. God came to get him. God was like, I love you so much. I don't want you to go through death. Elijah, one of the most amazing prophets in the Bible. And then finally, Jesus. The grave of Jesus is empty. But let's read 
Um, 2 Kings 2 verse 8. Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and struck the water of it. This is the water of the Jordan River. The water then divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Literally, the river stopped flowing. It separated. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? He's like, whatever you want, tell me now. What can I do for you? Can I leave you money? Can I tell people you are the guy that's going to take over from me? What can I give you? And then this is what Elijah replied. He said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah said, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will be not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, my father, my father. It's not his real father, but it was his spiritual father. And the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the banks of the Jordan. So just before this, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, hit the water of the Jordan, it separated. Now Elisha has the same cloak, he's at the same river, and now is the moment of truth. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. And then he said this, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. And that's what I'm going to read this morning. Got your Bibles here? You can keep it open. Because we're going to refer back to it a couple of times. But I learned a couple of lessons from the story. And the first lesson that I get from this is we need to have higher expectations for our faith. We need to have higher expectations for our faith. As I said before, we have expectations for our work life. We've got expectations for our family life. We've got expectations from our circle of friends. Think about it for a moment. If your friend doesn't respond the way you want, if they don't respond fast enough on WhatsApp, or they don't invite you to the bride, then you're upset. Why? Because you had certain expectations. You have certain expectations of everything. And I think and I believe that Christians often have too low of an expectation for our faith. We just accept where we are. And I think, why, why am I saying this? Elisha went to Elijah and he's like, I want one thing. I want you to give me a double portion of your spirit. Again, he's not talking, this is not Elijah's spirit. He can't just give it to him. It is God's spirit that was in Elijah. That was why I was able to do what he was doing. But what is beautiful to me is Elisha could have asked anything. He could have asked for a promotion. He could have asked for a better car. He could have asked for a better house. But he says, this is not about earthly things. I want something spiritual. I want something more than I saw you doing. And Elijah did some crazy, insane, beautiful things. But Elisha at that point wants more. And I think there's a reason why we sometimes struggle to ask for more. And I think the first reason might be because we didn't get a good example. Yeah, I was privileged to grow up in a house where my mom and my dad loved Jesus so much. And my dad was a pastor and they always moved to these little churches that were dying and they worked and the churches started growing. And we had to trust God for provision. We are 
praying for an 18-month-old baby that had blood cancer, and the next day the baby goes to the doctor, and the baby was healed. That was part of my life. So I grew up with a really great example. But not all of us grew up that way. Some of you might have grown up in a house where your parents dropped you off outside the church gates, and they were like, go to Sunday school. I don't know if you guys hated Sunday school. I hated it, like learning all those things. I was always like in trouble, always. Pastor's kid, I guess, is the naughty one, right? So they might have dropped you off there. They might have been in church every Sunday, but when you get back home, you don't see them living out what was just preached in church. And I think sometimes the bar is set so low, the example we got is so low that we cannot imagine something better than this. When Elijah said, give me a double portion, he immediately thought of all these amazing things Elijah did. And he's like, I want to do more. But maybe your bar has been so low that you think, although I, I don't really experience God in my life, although I can't say my faith is at a great level, this I think is better than what my parents had, so maybe this is good enough. I think the second reason why we don't ask for more is because sometimes we're just happy with the status quo. We're like, this is where I am. I don't want to mess around with it. You know, I'm, stuff is good at work. Stuff is good at home. Stuff is good in my faith. So I'm just going to leave it there. I think a third reason why we sometimes don't ask for more is because we don't want added responsibility. See, sometimes when I ask for more, I'm afraid that more will be expected of me. When I was still a youth pastor, there was this young man, Tian, in our church, and he was there like every Sunday, every Sunday, every Wednesday for community group, every Thursday for community group, he was there. And, but he couldn't make that choice of following Jesus. I'm like, Dion, dude, what is up? And he's like, I don't want to follow Jesus for two reasons. Because once I did make that decision before in my life and then everything went wrong. So I'm afraid it will go wrong again. He said, and two, I will have to give up certain things that I don't want to give up if I follow Jesus. So he's like, I don't want to ask for more because more might be expected of me. So I'm just going to let it go. Something so beautiful happened with Elisha. He said, I want more than what I saw. I want more than what I have. So by the way, Elisha was a farmer. When Elijah called him, he was literally pushing a plow with two oxen in front. And this is the deciding moment when Elisha had to decide, am I going to go back to being a farmer and pushing a plow, or am I going to be a man of God? Because that is what the prophets were called in the old days. He was before this, this crossroads in his life, and at that point he made a decision to stay beyond his own potential, to stop beyond, to stay beyond that place where he could push a, a, a plow, to stay beyond that place where he just goes to church on a Sunday and nothing happens, to stay beyond that place where his family is falling apart and he's tried everything and it's not working, and to step into the potential of God that is so much greater than anything he could ever do on himself, by himself. I want to tell you today, we shouldn't accept anything less than the best God has for us. And that's what Elisha did here. He was like, I will not settle for a plow. I will not settle for less than God has for me. And in my own life, I've been following Jesus my whole life, but I do not want to settle for less than the best God has for me. And I don't think I've arrived yet. Because a walk with Jesus is a journey. It's not a destination where you just arrive and you're there. 
I do not want to settle for anything less than God's bread. Quickly turn to someone next to you and tell them, don't accept anything less. Don't accept anything less. Guys, we can't get more if we don't ask for more. If you've read through the Bible and you're like, these guys did amazing miracles and God healed people and all these amazing, amazing things happened and they were known for their love, they were known for their sacrifice. Like, it just seems so good. Do you know why that happened in the Bible? Because they asked God for more. Jesus literally said this in Luke 11, and you can go and read it yourself in verse 9. Jesus says this, ask the Father and he will give to you. Seek and you will receive. Knock and a door will be opened. And then he says this, oh, if you don't understand it, if you don't knock, a door won't be opened. If you don't ask, you won't be answered. It's like he literally explains it. And then he says this, if even a bad father knows to give good things to his son, how much more will God not give his spirit to you if you ask for that? Guys, I do not want to live within my own potential. I don't want that to be my future. I don't want my family, the future of my family, to be determined by my own weaknesses. I want to step beyond my own potential into the possibility of God. David said this beautiful thing in Psalm 34. He said, I sought the Lord, Lord, and he answered I was looking for him and he answered. You know what's the crazy part when we talk about dreaming about something more for your faith life, about expecting something more, about expecting God to move in your life, about expecting God to heal something broken, about expecting God to restore something, about expecting God to bring breakthrough in your life. Whatever you might be dreaming of, whatever you might be thinking of, God's dream and his plan for your life is so much bigger than you and I can ever imagine. And if you're like, I, I don't even know if I've got a dream for my life. I'm at my end. I don't know if God has a purpose for my life. I want to assure you today that God does have a purpose for your life. You know why? Because you're sitting here. One, I don't believe you're in this room today by accident. But two, I do not believe you would have been on earth today if you didn't have a purpose. If he didn't have a purpose for your life. I believe each and every person, the Bible says, is were created for a purpose. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see a nobody. He doesn't see an accident. God sees someone that he created for such an amazing purpose. And his dream is so much bigger than your dream. His dream for his church is so much bigger than my dream for his church. And he's just waiting for you to say, I want more. I don't want to settle for this. Guys, we shouldn't be afraid to ask big things from God. We shouldn't be afraid to ask for the impossible things. We shouldn't be afraid to ask for difficult things. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, but I have asked for more things. I have asked for difficult things. I have asked for impossible things. But it didn't happen. Let me ask you this. How many times did you ask? Once? Twice? Maybe five times? Maybe there's some parents here that's like, it took me five years. I prayed for a long time for my kids. My parents prayed for a long time as well. But um, how many times did you ask? And here's the bigger question. How long did you keep pushing? How long did you say, I'm not going to go back to the plow. I'm not going to settle for where I am. I ask for more and I'm going to keep pushing for this till I get more. Arsene, can you go for me to the, to the next slide, please? Uh, next one. 
The second thing that I learned from the life of Elijah is we need to pursue a new level of faith with persistence. Because when we say, I don't want to settle here, I want God to do something more in my life, and that might be a good reason why you're here today, because you're like, I want more. You have to pursue it with persistence. When Elisha got to that point where he said, like, I want a double portion of the Spirit of God that he gave you, he didn't just appear there. It wasn't like Elijah walked past him and he's like, dude, join me. And the next moment he's like, okay, give me a double portion. If you go and read the first part of 2 Kings 2, there's this whole process of his walking with Elijah. And Elijah's like, dude, stop. Don't come with me. And he's like, no, I'm going to follow you. And then prophets are like, you shouldn't follow Elijah. And he's like, no, I'm going to follow him to death. And he follows him. And then at a second time, the same thing happens. And Elijah says, don't follow me. He's like, I'm going to follow you. I'm persistent. And then some more prophets come and they're like, you shouldn't follow Elijah. He's like, I'm persistent. I'm going to move. I'm going to follow him. So he keeps pushing. And then a third time, the same thing happens. And then if that's not enough, there's a condition to him getting more. And what's the condition? Elijah said, you have to see me. You have to see the moment when God comes to get me. Otherwise, you will not have more. And I'm like, what is that about? Almost every time we read in the Bible that people had an encounter with God, His majesty, His glory, His greatness is so amazing that people almost every single time fell to the ground and thought they're going to die. And you're like, how's that even possible? Our God is so holy. He's so big. Your mind cannot comprehend it. And in that moment, we understand something of our own brokenness. And it is so overwhelming that people thought they were going to die. And I think that was the next test. That was the next level of perseverance where he had to say, I have to be willing not only to be a harder cop. I have to not only say, I'm going to follow Elijah. I have to get to this point where I'm willing to myself step into the presence of God. Because if he wasn't in the presence of God, how could he do great things for God? We have to be persistent. He refused to stop. He refused to stay where he was. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I've been praying so long for a breakthrough in my marriage. I've been praying so long for healing. I've been praying so long to just hear God's voice. I've been praying so long just to not doubt. And nothing has happened. I want to tell you, nothing Isn't what happened. Something did happen. Because in the quiet moments between the cities where Elisha had to push through, there was a journey. He walked with Elijah. He learned more. He saw more. And in the quiet moments when you are praying and you feel like God is not coming through for you, he's not ignoring you. He's like, I've got something better planned for you. Or God is like, you still need to learn something. Or you still need to be prepared for something. But when you feel like you're praying against the ceiling, your prayers are not stopping against the ceiling. It's reaching God, just as David said, I called out to him and he answered me. But God might be shaping you as he was shaping Elijah. Don't give up. Elijah could have stopped, Elisha could have stopped at any moment there. And he would have missed out on what God had planned for him. We shouldn't accept anything less than God's best for us. But what if I persevere? 
What if I'm here today and I'm like, God, I want more of your spirit. I want more and I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to go for 10 years. Does it mean if you make that commitment today that everything is going to be perfect, that it's going to be fine, that you're never going to doubt again, that everything in your life will be sorted? No, it doesn't. But we have to make a choice today. This is the third lesson and the last lesson that I'm learning from Elijah, Elisha is we have to learn to trust God on the next slide. Trust in God despite your doubts. After all the pushing through, after everything Elisha did, Elijah's taken up into heaven. He takes that cloak, he rolls it up, and what, what would you expect him to do? Walk to that river, hit the water, go through the dry ground, right? He saw Elijah do miracles. He just saw that miracle happen like five minutes ago. He just saw like this chariot of fire. It was amazing. You would expect him after all of this to have no more doubt, to trust God completely and to just do amazing things. But he says this word, and this blew me away when I read this. Elisha, and we're going to read some of the amazing things God did through his life in the next couple of weeks. But in this moment, he says this, where is the God of Elijah? Like, where is God? And in that moment, he doubted maybe in himself if he was good enough for God to be with him. Maybe he doubted in God's presence in his life. And maybe you sometimes feel like that. Maybe you struggle with trust. Maybe you struggle to believe in God. Maybe you feel like He's not there for you. And all you want to do today is cry. And you're like, God, where are you? I've been asking and you've not been here. I've been praying and you didn't answer. I've been seeking and I didn't find. Where are you? Let me tell you, at that point of time, you can make a choice to stop believing. You can make a choice to take that cloak and throw it away and walk away from the water. And that's often what we do. The moment that doubt sets in, the moment I feel like God has urged me to pray for this person, or I feel like God has been moving me to say, Jesus, I will accept you. But then the doubt sets in and you're like, God, where are you? And often that is the moment where we choose to step back and say like, then I'm out. But at that moment, that was... When that glimmer of, of doubt appeared, Elisha decided that doubt and fear is not going to determine the trajectory of his life, but rather his faith. He said, often we are ruled by our doubts. Often we are ruled by our fears. People leave South Africa in the last couple of weeks. It's been in the news so much. People are leaving South Africa like crazy because we doubt, because we fear. And instead of bringing this to God and trusting God to bring a change in the country, to change the lives of people, I believe God can do that. Instead of trusting Him, we chicken out because I have fear in my heart. I've got doubts in my heart. He chose that fear and doubt won't shape his life, but that God and his faith in God will shape it. In that defining moment doubt in his heart. He took that cloak and he hit the water. And what happened? God showed up. I want to tell you today, even if your life is filled with doubt, even if you are unsure, God will still show up. I believe that. And how I know that is because Jesus literally did that. 
We read in the Bible that even when we were still sinners, and I'm still one, and you are still one, and even when we were not a friend of God, even when you doubted, even when you chose that I'm not going to follow Jesus, even when you continue to do the wrong thing over and over, Jesus still died on a cross so that you and I do not have to die for our mistakes. You see, when we doubted, Jesus was still on that cross. When we doubt, God is still there. Elijah's like, Elijah said, where is the God of Elijah? And God said, I am here. Elijah is not here, but God is there. And maybe someone who led you to faith is not here anymore. Maybe a pastor you loved is not here anymore. Maybe a parent that helped you to find Jesus is not here anymore. But God is still here and he's still in control and he still cares about your future and he still cares about where you're going and he's still waiting for you to say I want more God was right there in that moment and what is so beautiful to me is Elijah just before this we read that he took his own old clothes and he tore it in two And he picked up this new cloak. And with that, when he hit the water, it split into and God's presence was there. If you feel like God is not present in your life. Something similar to this happened about 2,000 years ago. There was real distance between us and God. People couldn't get to God because we made too many mistakes. We're We're not God. We're not as good as God. And people tried everything to fix it, but it didn't work. So in the temple, in the Old Testament, there was this curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. And in that most holy part, God was physically present in that space. And if people walked in there, they would die. So the high priest would go through all these rituals. He would spend all this time to prepare himself to be at a place where once a year he could step into the presence of God and bring an offering for the whole community. When Jesus died... Despite our doubt, despite our mistakes, something amazing happened. In that moment when Jesus died, that that temple curtain tore in two. And just to make sure that no one will ever say it was a human that tore it, it tore from top to bottom. No one could reach it. Because in that moment when Jesus died, he died so that the separation that that existed between us and God, that distance that you feel, that moment where you feel like God doesn't care about me, he doesn't hear me, Jesus tore that to say like, You know what? That distance doesn't exist anymore. God himself opened that up for us so that we can be in his presence. The Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. And guess what? We're still alive. We're not dying because Jesus already paid for our mistakes. But God is here and he cares about you. And he's waiting for you to say, I want more of you. Salome, will you get on the keys for us, please? Arsene, will you go to my last slide, please? I said this a couple of times today. Don't settle for anything less than the best God has for you. Whatever you've experienced in your life of faith, God has something more in store for you. He's got something more planned. And we each need to make that decision. What is our ask today? Elisha stood inside in front of Elijah and he said, what do you want from me? What can I give you? What can I leave you? And Elijah said, I want more. And each one of us have an ask today. 
What is your ask? Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, man, I don't even know if Jesus is really God. Then maybe your ask today is to say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me and help me to surrender my life, although I'm still full of doubt. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, man, I have tried to follow Jesus. It's just hard. I struggle to find a community. I struggle to go to church. I struggle to read my Bible. Maybe your ask today should be, God, help me to just show up next week. Maybe your ask today is for healing. Maybe you've been struggling with an illness or something in your life and you're like, all I need is for God to touch this in my life. Maybe you've got financial issues or you've got marriage issues and like, I just need a glimmer of hope. I need a breakthrough. God is like, ask. Maybe today you're like, I just want more of a spirit like Elisha. It's like, ask and it will be given to you. So what are we going to do now?